RDT Systems, baby. Dog tested and dog tough. We've got those soft mouth dummies. Now listen, everybody knows that we need more bumpers. I'm not talking about one or two or three. I'm talking about adding bumpers to your repertoire. I like using white or black and white bumpers when I'm training my dogs for marks and even blinds. You can get the orange ones. I dig it. But add a bunch to your repertoire. And I'm again, I'm not talking about three to six. If you're working on T pattern, if you're working on blinds and pattern blinds, you need a bunch, a dozen, 18. The Soft Mouth Dummies by DT can't be beat. Check them out, LoneDuckOutfitters.com. DT Difference. Let's go. Hashtag man's best kennel, baby. That's Gunner Kennels. Man, let's talk about these crates because when shh, it hits the fan, you want your dog protected. It's an investment emotionally and financially to keep your hunting buddy safe. If you'd like to get into a Gunner Kennel, slide into the DMs and we'll hook you up. But do your best friend a favor and keep them safe this duck season. Have you wondered if you want to force fetch your dog? Maybe you think your dog's too soft. Maybe you're too nervous to screw, quote unquote, screw your dog up. Let me help you. I built a start to finish course with different dogs, different breeds, and different personalities from start to finish to show you how that you and your dog can do it successfully and easy. Jump in. Links in the description. We'd be happy to help you. Let's go. Let's set goals and get you and your dog where you want to be this duck season. What's going on, everybody, and welcome to another episode of Lone Ducks Gun Dog Chronicles. We've got a good one coming for you. It's me and Kevin doing a little Q&A, a little, little update on life, and a little preparation for duck season. It's going to be here before we know it. Um, I mean, we're August 1st. People are killing teal, geese, dove, like legit a month away. And I just looked it up and, you know, nobody's counting, but 65 days until Woodcock opens Boom. in New York. Wow. It'll be here before we know it. So real quick, let's jump into the old sponsors, patreon.com forward slash Lone Duck Outfitters. If you enjoy the show, if our questions, if our, if we answered your question, da, 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 or if we've helped you out at all, we appreciate you joining our community there. It's a ton of fun. Bi-weekly happy hours, a more one-on-one um, questions that, that I'll answer and get real in-depth with you. So check it out. We really appreciate your support. And also, it's a lot of fun. So jump on there, patreon.com forward slash Lone Duck Outfitters. Next up, Gunner Kennel, baby. Man's best kennel. We just got in their new and improved kennel fan. And the dog water bowl. Innovation at its best. Hashtag man's best kennel. P.S. Made in America. Next up, Purina. From the duck blind to the holding blind. It's the food that fuels the truck of lone duck, baby. That 3020 pro plan. You can get it anywhere. It's a beautiful thing. Pro plan, baby. Next up, Dogtra. The collar that's in my back pocket. I know right now we just had a family party. Smoked some chicken on the Traeger. Mm, bark collars around those dogs. There's nothing 
that can get Uncle Bob a little annoyed when you're enjoying family time to a bunch of dogs sounding off. And so the YS600 and the YS300 were put to good use during the family party. And let me tell you, peace and quiet. Beautiful thing. Dog trail. Next up, I mentioned it before. Shmokem if you got them, baby. So everybody was raving about my chicken. First off, I appreciate it. Makes me feel good. But I am just the dummy who slaps chicken on a grill and the grill does the rest. It it's just I'm just a dummy, man. And it does it. Um granted, they were bone in thigh for chickens, you know. Oof. Sm- moist. Love it. So good. <laughs> Uh, anyway, smoke them if you got them, baby. Next up, Kent Cartridge. Really excited for duck season, and Kevin and I are going to go banging on some clay birds here shortly. We've got, um, some of their shotgun shells coming. I've got new choke tubes coming for my Frankie 20 gauge over under. Yep. That's some big news. You're going to try and shoot that more this year? I am. I am. I don't know. I put it, put it to the test. I'm going to put it to the test more. Um, I also need to get a spacer because it's just a little bit short for me. So I'm not a gunsmith. I just talk on a radio show and, you know, train dogs. So I'm going to figure it out on the proper length of pull. Nice. Jinx. Nice. Um, But either way, it's just a little bit small for me. So we're going to give that a whirl. And, yeah, I'd like to shoot a little bit more. I have been enjoying the 16-gauge side-by-side Ithaca that I have. Um, I've been using that pretty frequently, killing pigeons for dogs and whatnot. So, um, whatever. It's it's literally sitting in my truck in the front seat right now. So, don't rob me. Uh, Next up, um, Standing Stone Kennels. You know our friends. I almost just said Keithan. Ethan and Schmatt. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Ethan and Cat at Standing Stone. I got tongue tied. Um, their supply company, they've got unbelievable gear. They have everything. Everything. I mean, from whelping products to play toy products to puppy development products to training products to handmade, American made leashes. They're easy lead. Um, so, you know, realistically, if you think you need something, go check out their website. I bet you they've got it. Standingstonesupply.com. Next up, last but not least, Waypoint Outdoor Collective. They keep us in tune with you, and you in tune with us. All right, bud, let's get into the show. Welcome. You haven't been here in a while. We all had, like, colds and COVID and... Yeah, everybody's been bouncing around. Just So you've been zooming in, basically, podcasting from your house. So it's nice to have you back in our studio, a.k.a. the upstairs bedroom. Cheers. Hold on. Let's clink it on the... Can we clink it on the thingy? No, I'm going to get closer. There you go. Mm. He, he didn't do a very good job. But uh, it's good to have you back, bud. <clears throat> Feels good. Feels good to be here. Mm-hmm. Let's do a quick field trial recap because I got a lot of questions about it. And I haven't even talked to you about it. Yeah. So... I have questions about it. Okay. Forget everybody else. Well, I just, you know, 
a lot of people asked about it. No, and I, so yeah. I, I am not a field trial trainer. I'm learning. I'm getting better. Um, it's a goal of mine. But it's a world that we dabble in. We, we, we're, we're not jumping in with both feet and quitting hunting dogs and quitting hunt test dogs. We're just, the last six months, I've put an emphasis on, you know, that kind of thing with the big dogs. So I feel like you're dipping your toes in, dipping your toes in, mm -hmm. something fun to do, something different to try. Yeah. But you also hate losing. Uh, yeah. Also like winning, which is why it's a little bit different, a little bit more fun, different kind of fun. Yeah. Yeah. It's a different kind of fun. It, that's all a great but way of putting it. I, but I also think that because you hate losing is why you keep going back for more. Yeah. I mean, I hate losing one dog at a hunt test. I like going a hundred percent, you know what I mean? So, so to me, that's a win when I can go home and every client and every personal dog passes and that's a win. Um, but there is a different feeling and a different strategy to those kind of competitions because you might have ran well, like ran well, just fine. Just you didn't win. You got it's not perfect, right? The most perfect dog wins it. So the first one we ran, I don't know if we recapped it, so I'll do a brief recap, but it was very humbling. And kind of a bummer. Like, I was bummed most of the day. And Quinn was crushing. But I was bummed because Memphis, Hunter, Aries, and Lizzie all picked up one bird. You know, they shot a triple, and they all got the go bird, and then they just bombed the next bird. It was a long, retired gun. You angle down a hill through different patches of cover. And then the field opened up wide, and they got a good look at the flyer station. And then every, a ton of dogs just got sucked, sucked into right it. into that flyer station and were into no man's land and wouldn't win the bird. And you're just out. You're done. Thanks for coming. So I, I left that experience wanting more. I left that experience uh, very proud of Quinn because she got a fourth in the, her first field trial. and Which is a jam. No. Or no, is third a jam? No. Damn. All right, good question. Damn, what's a jam? <laughs> a damn jam is a jam that's damned. So you get first place, second place, third that's place, fourth place. That's a t-shirt. That's a good one. First through fourth are placements. You're in colored ribbons, right? Blue, first, red, second, yellow, third, white, fourth. And then a jam... It, and there's something called a reserve jam, but those are like you completed the trial. Your dog completed the trial and did well, just not one through four. Some other dogs might have completed the trial and just kind of meh, and they don't get a jam. Sometimes they give jams to everybody who finishes the trial. So it's kind of like a participation award, uh, like a pat on the back that you did a good job. You just didn't get one through four. So first trial ever for Quinn and only my second trial I've ever ran. The first one I ever ran was four something years ago with Memphis and we were way above our pay grade. Like, I don't even know if she had ran a master test yet. And I had a buddy that was going and he's like, ah, oh, it's a really nice dog. You should take her. I'm like, oh, okay, let's, let's play. No, she didn't see one of the birds. I was super young at handle. It's 
mean, she's seven. I bet she was two and a half. I mean, we were young. So she bombed. Um, but anyways, this, this, wait a minute, hold on. I'm lying to everybody. That was my first one. Was way, 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 way back in the day. Then me and Blaine and a couple other buddies drove to Kentucky after Master National last year, and we ran an owner-handler queue. So that was my second field trial ever. Didn't you do something with Buck way back in the day? No. What am I thinking of? Mm, like a pheasant field yeah, trial? Yeah, no, I... <laughs> we Which in... he won. He did win. a side note. Side note, <laughs> Buck won. The Glastonbury, Connecticut fishing and hunting club I won. <laughs> Katie got second. A dog I trained. Ember won the puppy steak. Ember's here? Yeah, Ember's back. Mm. Um, but anyways, so that that one was my second field trial ever with Memphis and Cruz. You you have to own the dog to run it. And we got a third with Memph and a jam with Cruz. Fast forward, you know, eight months or whatever, I ran them all in the field trial up here in New York. And that's when Quinn got a fourth and everybody only picked up one bird. Pretty Mildly embarrassing, really. and But I was proud of Quinn with the fourth. Now, fast forward to this trial. I'm learning. I'm way less nervous. Way less nervous. Um, It was a very... The first series was wide open. I actually put it up on Instagram. I don't know if people saw it in my stories. I think it's where I put it. And, and the two short birds, if you will, were short. They were hunt test marks. You started off um, looking straight out into a field, and at 300 yards or so from a hay bale is bird number one. Then you swing to the right, and at like 60 yards, bird number two. Then a 180 swing all the way to your left was your live flyer at about mm, 90. Shot kind of down a, a hill away from us, angle back tight. Go get your go bird. All my dogs did well on that. Swing to the right to pick up the short gun. All my dogs did good on that. So now, all my dogs have picked up another bird than they did in the last one. So I'm like, hell yeah. 100% increase. (laughs) 100% increase in duck retrieval. Yeah. So I'm like, okay, now let's go get this long bird. And the long bird retired. And then a retired gun is when they see the white coat gunner out in a field. They go and get another mark or run a blind. And when they come back and look for that mark, the person has now hidden. So it hid behind that hay bale. Okay. So now they come back, they picked up two birds. They come back and look out at that 300 yard bird. And they're like, where'd that guy go? <laughs> Wasn't Frank standing there? I could have sworn there was a dude out there. Right. But he's gone. And you can just see their face, like, looking around, thinking, locking in, you know, coaxing them to look where they belong. And there was a spit of water. Almost knocked the computer over. We all hooked up. Check it out, please. Um, Yeah, we're good. (laughs) You just keep going. So, anyways, there's uh, maybe a 10-yard swim. I mean, it's like if a dog jumps real far, it's halfway across the water, Okay. You following me? 
So it's a it's probably a hundred and seventy five to two hundred yard run down a hill, jump into a ten yard swim, get out and run another fifty, sixty yards up a hill and pick up your bird. Uh Hunter was dog number one, which sucks because you can't watch other dogs kind of figure it out and other people figure it out and can't see watch other mistakes. That's right. I you, you literally get to watch a test dog and say, Okay. Send it. And I I haven't been to that many hunt tests, but I've been to a good number. And boy, does a lot of the you know, test dogs there it's not like they ace it. This dog did ace it actually. Oh, well then they So it like really didn't show us anything. It just went whap, 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 like made it look easy. So we're like, huh. Okay. So Hunter's up first. And Hunter's having this little thing right now. I don't know what's going on in his brain. But on a real long, like, three, 400-yard run, which is stupid. I mean, I get it. It's freaking hard and far. When he's, like, he'll hit the first pond, good. He'll get out and run, and he'll hit that second pond and, like, basically pop and come back out and start hunting that shoreline, even though he sees a standout gun or he, on the other bank. And so he's in this, like, little weird headspace, and sure as shit, he does it. He hits that water like a ton of bricks, like flying through the air, hits the water, turns around, pops out, and starts hunting. I'm like, oh, God, we're screwed. Not to slow your roll, after I want to talk about how you are working on that or what you plan to work on or things you're testing Mm -hmm. or whatever, but keep going. Yeah, I got you. So he does it, and I'm sitting there. I'm dog one. I'm like, oh, my God. Like, you gotta be kidding me. And I'm just, I got, if I handle him, sure, I could handle him. You're probably not getting called back, most likely. So I just kind of held on and held on, and he sploosh into the water, gets out, runs, and hits the bird. I'm like, hell yeah, bud. Good dog. So now my first dog that only picked up one bird last time has now picked up three, and I'm feeling. Not great, but I'm just proud of him that he did. Not feeling bad. Just not feeling bad, right? Exactly. Like I can at least call Ben and be like, "Hey, dude, got all three birds. Woo. Yeah, we're we're in. Not not. I didn't. I wouldn't say I didn't tell him we're in. Like you're still playing, but I'm like that felt better, right? Next up was Lizzie, and Lizzie faded she picked up the two short birds perfect faded with the factor and when she hit the water she kind of hunted short i and then i i just i should have probably handled sooner i didn't because i was hoping she'd do what hunter did and then she wasn't really handling great for me she kind of went into hunt mode blew me off blew me off blew me off i called her in you know again if she blew me off once you're out so i just gave it hell you know, two more times to show her more like, Hey, now we're training, like get across that little body of water and, and go get your bird. And, Oh, I almost forgot. Lizzie didn't even see that bird. So that, that was like a major, like my stomach sank. So, all right, everybody, when I'm, when you're at a hunt test, you cannot pick out the gun stations. You have to walk to the line, tell the dog sit, and you want to position them in a way where they're going to get a good look at all of them, but you can't like show them bird one, show them bird two, show them bird three. You have to come up, sit, 
call for your bird. Which you can do. At a field trial. So I show her what? You can do what? Sorry. You're, maybe I misunderstood. You can do that at a hunt test. You cannot do that at a field trial, you're saying. No, no. You cannot show the guns to a dog at a hunt test. You cannot. You have to go to the line and tell them sit and call for your bird. Okay? At a field trial, there's three, sometimes four people in white coats out in a field, and you show the dog each person. And now I point her at that long bird. Sit. Good. Right there. I'm cueing her in. I'm like, look at that guy. And she's staring him down. And I wave my hand to the judge, and there's a pause. And a pause. And a pause. And as soon as Lizzie's head looks towards that short guy who was 60 yards away, boom. The dude go, you know, throws his bird. Now she hears the boom, swings out to look at him, and doesn't see the mark. So she just knows that he shot something out there, but never saw where it landed, never saw which side of the gun it landed on, nothing. Had no, she didn't see a thing. And my heart sank. I got to poke and pray. But she saw the other two, picked those up. Now I got to literally convince her, do you remember there was a guy out there? <laughs> like, and she, she just, she, she did it. She held her line for most of the way. And at the water, she just faded. I mean, she didn't see the mark. So I think if she saw the mark, I might have gotten it. Maybe not, but I'll never know. She didn't even see the mark. So we were we were screwed a little. Not, not screwed as in it was unfair. It just was bad luck, basically. And so shame on you, Lizzie for looking away. Yeah. Did you... At that point in time, though, did you know that she didn't see it? 100%. Okay, so were you sending her on a... Basically, Did you a blind. line up for a blind or no? no. I, I punched her out there on her name, and I sent it hard, and I convinced her like you know she was staring in that general vicinity. And what I I am proud of her for is she took a good line. It's just was towards the end. It wasn't with like certainty, and therefore a little bit of factor here, and then a pond, and she just went into hunt mode short. You know, at 150 yards, which is kind of normal hunt testy training. Like, I get it. You know, yeah. that's right where she's like, it should be here. Right. I remember a dude out here. It should be around here. And I just couldn't finish it. So long story short, she's out. Next up, Aries. And Aries is one of our puppies that we bred from Cruz's first litter. And he is bananas. I mean, the epitome of a fire-breathing dragon and, and to some effects, not in a good way. Yeah, he's tough to handle. I mean, he is wound, but he can mark like a son of a gun and he can run a good blind. <laughs> but his line manners are like a little bit dodgy. No matter what I do. I mean, it is what it is. Long story short, he starts getting freaking lit up. Just showing him the guns, the anticipation of this guy in the white coat is going to throw something. He's like, ah, quivering, frothing at the mouth like, freaking uh, like a heroin addict he's like give me give it to me <laughs> right so first bird goes off he gets a real good look at it second bird goes off good look at it flyer goes off and he's like borderline like, like starting to pick his butt up or just possessed oh. like his head was spinning in 360s right like like an <laughs> owl like he just bah! goes gets that hammers goes gets a short bird hammers 
goes out for the longbird. Remember, it's retired, so he, it's referred to as backside in the gun. He went behind the hay bale on the wrong side of where the dude threw it, hunted behind it and up the hill further than the bird, hunted, 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 started making his way on the correct side of the gun, hunted, 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 winded it and picked it up and brought it back to me. So now I'm like, oh, okay, two of my three have now made it, got all their birds better than the first one, right? Yeah. Feeling pretty good. But I didn't know if that backsiding and that long hunt was going to work out. You know, a lot of dogs were doing it. Most dogs backsided the gun. I think two or three picked it up nice. How When you say like hunted and hunted and hunted and you're sitting there and you're like, we're talking like five minutes or no, like th- 30 20 seconds, seconds or 20 seconds, 30 seconds, but it feels, feels like, like three yeah. minutes. Yeah, exactly. But it's probably 20 or 30 seconds. And you know, when he loops towards it, you're like, yes. And then he loops back away and you're like, no. And he loops back towards you and you're like, yeah. And then he loops away and you're like, oh no. And then he got far enough on his loop on the correct side of the gun, winded it and boom. So he makes it through and sits beautifully for the honor. Of course he knows he's done. So he's like checked out. I wish he was sort of like that when it's his turn. But anyways, now Quinn's up, pounds the two short birds, backsides the gun, like all the dogs were doing. And instead of hunting, she just goes, picked it up. So So she she just just hooked the gun is what people would call it. So she went behind it and right onto it. I'm like, oh my God, that's awesome. So I, like I said, I think two or three dogs did it nicely. She was in fourth, third or fourth. So now we run a lamb line. The lamb line, we shifted locations, run down a hill right through where the live flyer was being shot. So all that scent. Then a dirt road ran, uh, like they had to angle a dirt road. And they had to get in the pond. And this was a bigger section of the pond, so not like a 10-yard. This was like a hmm, 40, 50-yard swim past an island. Real tight. The It was like a sort of a keyhole between a hay bale on the land, get in the water, and then an island was right there in the water. So it was a real tight kind of corridor that they had to hit. If you were on the right side of that hay bale, I'd imagine you were out. If you touched the island, you were definitely out. So be in the water. I think Quinn, oh, so Aries had to go first on that. And when I say Aries runs a good blind, I don't mean he's the best blind running dog I've got. Some days he looks like a stud. Other days you're like, okay, there you go, bud. Partially because he hunts a ton. Thousands of birds in, in three years. Seriously? Maybe, wild, maybe, wild a, Bill? maybe a thousand. I mean, last year, Bill traveled all over the country killing specks and snows and sandhill cranes and this and that. Oh, my God. That sounds awesome. Thanks for the invite, Bill. Yeah, I know, Bill. <laughs> so he he can go into hunt mode a little bit on a blind. Yeah. Not that day. I mean, hammered. And I, like, holy shit, Aries, you just did it. Like, you're definitely getting called back. I mean, he didn't do anything wrong. Pounded it. Okay, Quinn's up. Quinn had a mini bobble hitting the water. And it's because I trusted her too much. I maybe nonchalantly casted instead of being more deliberate. Like, I know this dog like the back of my hand. And 
seawater, get in water. I knew she wasn't going to touch the island. Like, I just know my dog. I gave a right back. So I, she held a beautiful line, started fading towards the hay bale. I gave a straight left back. She goes to the left of the hay bale, right where she should be, about to hit the water in line with the island. Okay. I gave a straight right back, just change a tiny bit of direction and go to the right. And she took like a hard right tweet. I still needed a right back. So I gave a right back sploosh swam all the way across the water, all the way up the hill. Tweet, 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 pick up your bird. I'm like, Oh my God. I don't know. Like that one little thing might be the end of her. I don't know. Nope. Call back. Okay, sweet. Now we're going to the water blind. The water blind was probably a 30-yard run with water on the right-hand side. So some of the dogs who are overwatery, people have put, you know, tend to think about putting too much pressure on a dog of you better get in the water, that they saw water and instead of holding the line that they were sent on, they'll jump into the water and you, no good. So there's like a balancing act of, getting in the water and being a good dog and taking the line I give you and trust that this is the line. Don't overthink this. Um, I think Aries went first. I think he was dog two. So he ran a beautiful freaking water blind. Quinn, beautiful freaking water blind. I'm like, my God, we're about to go to the fourth. Aries didn't, he only picked up one bird like a month ago. And now we're going to the fourth. Super jacked. And the fourth was what I would consider a humdinger. It was a triple round the horn, started off on the right with another big, long, retired gun that was probably 300 yards, three different re-entries angling towards that bird, towards a down-the-shore kind of scenario, Get out, run up a hill, and pick up your bird. Remember, retired, so she gone. Second bird was two re-entries and landed on the tip of a point. The go bird was a live flyer, shot over water, and sluiced until it was dead. Really? Yeah. Bananas. Just think about how Aries was. (laughs) So, but Quinn's up for, er, man, I don't even remember. Quinn's up first. She sees her birds. They cripple the duck. And they're sluicing and sluicing and run out of shells. Judge that as dog. Quinn. Meanwhile, this sucker's swimming away. And they're now, the judges are commiserating, like, what do we do? What do we do? What should we do? Call your dog in. Tweet here. Okay. You know, get her back. Go back, you know, X amount of dogs. Okay. So I go back X amount of dogs. Then they have a few other bobbles. So now I'm further back. Aries runs. Picks up the flyer find. Hunts the point bird. Like got out early, which is a bummer, but that's what it's about. I mean, if it's freaking hard. So he gets out. He hunts, 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 wins it, picks it up comes back now he has no memory of that retired bird none 
So I'm kind of convincing him. He keeps looking at the point guy. I get him to look where the bird was. Looks at the point guy. I get him to look where the bird was. And he finally like sort of half-ass locks in. Aries. And he just goes, nah, screw you, dude. Jumps in the water heading towards the guy. And I go, okay, now what do you do? A bunch of dogs have already bombed. There's only 11 dogs left in the fourth. So I'm going to teach him. Screw you, dude. You go where I told you to go. Not where you want to go. So I blew a whistle. I probably am out. But there's still five or six dogs left. And if everybody sucks, he may still be playing. So I didn't want to quit. I didn't want to call him in for making a mistake. But let me use this as a teaching moment like I tried to do with Lizzie, like I said earlier, right? Yeah. Give him a cast. He, in his little dog brain, goes, you're right, bud. My bad. Takes that cast. Starts hauling ass towards that bird. No way. And I'm like, you son of a gun. You might do it now. I think I blew one or two more whistles just to keep him on line. Boom. Picks the bird up. I'm like, oh, that was not so bad now. And then you watch another dog go and another dog go and they're bombing. They're blowing 15, 20 whistles to get to that bird. I'm thinking, hmm. Okay. Quinn's up. Second to last dog now. Gets a good look at her birds. Goes to the flyer, pounds it. Goes, almost hits the bird. She was like 10 to 15 feet away from hitting the bird on that point. And instead of stopping on that point and picking it up, she jumped back in the water. And I'm like, you got to be shitting me. This could be the end, right? Like any moment, you're done. That's tough. It's not like at a hunt test where I can help them. You're done. You're just done. Or they hunt and it's like passable. If they just, they're done. I'm like, oh my God, you gotta be kidding me. She gets out, hunts the shoreline for five seconds, 10 seconds, picks the bird up. I'm like, okay. But you were right there. Yeah, that's tough. Mm -hmm. It was like her momentum just, and it was like a little skinny point in her momentum. She just got in, got got out, jumped back in quick instead of thinking. So now we've got to go for this long retired bird. And she comes back, and if Quinn knows what's up, she will, like, slam to a stop next to you and just, like, heaving to go. Where Aries was like, I'm not sure, right? He's looking over here, looking over there. No. She came in and was like, that's where the bird is. I'm like, again, no dog has done it. Nine dogs or ten dogs had ran. Nine dogs, because I was ten and then one dude behind me, right? None have done it. And she's coming back on, let me go. I'm like, oh my God. Come on, girl. Please. I believe in you. <laughs> I believe. I believe. Did you give her a pep talk ahead of this? Yeah, I, I did. I'm petting her. I'm like, you can do this. I believe in her. I no, mean, she's I, a I bad know. mofo. Douche. Yeah. And she, when she came back and locked in, like she knew what blade of grass it was next to. I'm like, okay. Sent. And I took my time. I didn't rush it. Just because she knew, I didn't rush it. I took my time. Good, good, good. Gwen, boom. Like a ball, like her ass was on fire. Hits the water, gets out, hits the water, gets out, hits the water. And on that second of the third re-entry, the pond really opened wide, and they got a good look at that point guy. And so a ton of dogs, even if they did look good, were bailing off seeing him and fading to him right if it was like tighter 
re-entries, they might not have done it, but they had like a big long swim at that point, and like the decision to go check him out was overwhelming dogs, and they were just bombing. So she's no different, right? If nine out of if nine dogs have sucked to that and people couldn't save them, why is Quinn gonna be per- perfect? And she starts making that decision to go check him out, tweet, cast. She sort of scalloped, tweet, cast, carried it all the way to the bird. She's a good dog. Yep. Fourth place. <laughs> so, super proud of her. Um, Like you said, I, you know, so people, so the questions that people ask me, right? So after, I hope you enjoyed the dissertation, and I'm sorry it took so long, but I was fired up to share it. Um. The difference between field trials and hunt tests. You know, A, the marks are way harder. Um, every single one that I've been to has been way harder than any master test ever. I mean, just hands down. Harder than Master National? Yeah. Yep. Way harder. Would you feel more proud? Mm, it's a good question. I don't know that answer. I think... I think... Hmm. Maybe I ask when someday. Yeah, someday when maybe hopefully it happens where I win one. I can tell you right now that getting fourth place is a good feeling, but it's it's not like winning. Um, and I actually was kicking myself. I'm like, you know, if she picked that up, she'd have won. Because nobody, even the guy behind me couldn't pick it up. So if she picked it up, we'd have won. So, you know, part of me is wondering like, okay, Next trial, if all the chips are on the table and I know what every other dog has done, I don't want another fourth. I'm going to hail Mary it. She's either going to fail or she's going to pick it up. Right? Because what's another fourth place? Just another fourth place. So I think next time in that situation, I probably am going to let her go see if she can figure it out and make a decision. I didn't let her make a decision, which meant... I was able to handle her so easily to the bird right. because she wasn't convinced like the other dogs were like, no, I have to go here. So they're scalloping all over. They're blowing off whistles. They're just, you know, making mistakes. But I think I made the right choice for the moment and, and owned it. But I think next time I'll roll the dice, trust my dog and see what happens. If she went and hunted a bit and found it, maybe that'd be a second place. Or first. So, um, but the difference for me is, you know, the marks and the concepts are a lot harder and it's win and lose. So where at a hunt test, we can kind of handle them to a pass. Like I can get a dog who makes a few mistakes to still pass. I know where the ground can be made up. I know, excuse me, strategically, what the judges are looking for and what's passable. You can have like an okay run. Okay. Even slightly poor run and then make up ground in the next series or two and pass. There's no such thing in a field trial. If you have a poor first series, you just, you're just done. Field trial is more of a Southern thing. No, no dude. They're, they're nationwide. Well, I, mean, I know the nation. I would say that but like, places like Minnesota, Michigan, um, Georgia, Alabama, 
um, Texas, California. Those are like hotbeds for field trials. But you can go to a field trial in Nevada. You can go to a field trial in Oregon. You can go to a field trial in Maine and Florida. Like, they're everywhere. It's every state. Um, What else? So, I guess strategically wise, it's a different pill to swallow when you know I, I know I could have saved that dog and passed. But you aren't passing. You're winning and losing. Yeah. So, that's a different mentality. So, you got to think... Do I want to go for the win? Basically. And right? just more is on the line, right? Yeah. Like, you know, running a perfect blind versus running a good enough blind. Yeah. You know, I might not fight a dog or attempt to fight a dog on something if I know what he's doing is still going to be passable. Because if I fight him, then we're going to get cast refusals and you'll get out because of cast refusal. So I might let him you know, kind of take that cast a little bit. I'm still going to challenge the line to the blind, but, you know, at the field trial, it was like I put him on a bead and I hit every target that that judge is looking for to the left of the hay bale, to the right of the island. Do not touch the island, right? If you were anywhere else, you're out. You know, on the water blind, if you touched one island there, you're out. They said it. Don't touch the island or you're done. Okay. There were like two dogs that did it. That's crazy. And it's not because the person didn't try. It just, they couldn't handle the dog off, you know, to not touch the island. And all of a sudden, you know, dog scallops and puts a couple paws on the island and jumps off and goes and finishes the blind. You're done. Still ran a great blind. Right. But you're done. So definitely an adventure. Um, There's a few more that I'm going to run this year uh, in conjunction with master tests. It's been fun. And I think I've got a good crop of dogs that, you know, Aries got a jam. Super proud of him. That could be Lizzie next time. And Lizzie's, you know, had two rougher goes. But the next one, if she gets a good look at that bird, boof, who knows, baby? She can run a great blind. Sweet girl. Yeah. Hunter. Hunter's Hunter is always He's the man. Yeah. Him and Quinn are the two best on the truck. Hands down every day. It's just a matter of time for him to hit it right. Yeah. So, anyways, it was a great experience. Did he get his master? Yeah, he's a master hunter, and he actually qualified for the master national for this year, even though we're not going. So that's a great accomplishment. That's a phenomenal accomplishment. His owner, Ben, is going to be running him a few more times to try and qualify him for master amateur. Um, We'll get him qualified for 2023 and go. Very cool. Yeah, man, he's a good, solid dog. Great dog. Fun to train. Hard worker. So, and again, he's from one of our litters. Our first litter ever was in Aries. Aries, Hunter, Brew. Yeah. Yeah, a bunch of good dogs. That was Brew Dog. You ever hear from him? Not that often. I don't hear from him, but last I did, he said he's doing great and happy. So, it's good. Good deal. Yeah. Um, Let's jump into, real quick, hunting season is coming around the corner. We got to get the dogs on pigeons. The bird dogs, you mean? Well, yeah. Yeah, nah, I know. Let's see here. So we've got... All right. I did do a quick, uh, hey, throw on Instagram. Any questions to help keep our ball rolling tonight? But So my bad. I'm reading. Um, but real quick, I do want to talk about hunting season coming up. I'm not going to do a whole episode on hunting season. That'll be, you know, maybe a little bit 
more closer to hunting season, you know, two, three weeks from now. But I do want people to be thinking about this. You better be doing something. Obedience. Steadiness drills. Marks. If your dog can run blinds, you know, tighten up your blinds. Tighten up your manners in the duck blind or the dove field or the goose spread and practice like you play. Blow your duck call a good bit. You know, lay in a layout blind and pop out and shoot poppers. Gun dog supply. I don't think Standing Stone Supply has them. We'll have to double check. My bad, Ethan and Cat. But Gun Dog Supply, I just bought a thousand rounds of prime you know, poppers. So we're shooting a ton over dogs and uh, really getting that realism up. And then the side note is get your dog in shape. Do not run a fat dog. It will kill them. Heat exhaustion is a big problem. More dogs die of heat exhaustion, heat stroke, than hypothermia. Okay? So an overweight dog has to work way harder, and they will overheat. So get them, get them thinned down. Get them on a, a workout regimen. Get them, get them on some healthy food. Get them out running. People people ask this a lot. I feel like, and it's kind of common sense. Like you can't take the dog out for a butt kicking run and expect that they're going to be able to do it right yeah. off the bat. Like, mm-hmm. oh, because they're a hunting dog. Sure, but yeah, I sit on the couch all year, and I'm going to have a hell of a time trouncing through the woods and whatever. Like that's sure. going to be hard. I should get out and do some. Hiking and whatnot. Yeah, exactly. Same with your dog. Yeah, so like Andy... Work them into it. Yeah, like Andy lives half a year with Kevin and half a year with me. Um, just because, whatever. But she's back now, and she's going to be running with the four-wheeler uh, probably almost every day. She's going to be on pigeons two or three times a week. And it's not that she doesn't remember how to point and do stuff. It's just the art of doing it. The art of working out. Yeah, you got to keep it sharp. Yep. And that way we can, when we go grouse hunt or woodcock hunting, you know, she's not dragging butt after 45 minutes. And we want to go hunt for three, four, five hours. And I want her to be cardiovascularly ready and muscle soreness, injury, all that stuff is a danger to your dog. If they get off of the couch after 10 months of being off or nine months of being off and you throw them to the wolves hunting. Um... Another side note, I've said it a million times on the podcast, dove hunting and goose hunting are tough for a first-time dog. So remember that their first hunt is, their first three to five hunts are learning experiences. You are not taking your gun. You are hunting with one or two buddies that are killers and will drop birds in in, in and amongst the decoys. And that dog will put the two and two together that, what they learned is now the real thing, right? So don't throw them to the wolves. Uh, you know, be be conscious of how hot it is. Keep them hydrated. Um, keep them in the shade as best you can. All that stuff. But you got a month and change before hunting season kicks off. Get that sucker training. Get them tighten up obedience. Tighten up everything. But get them in shape. That would be. My big, my big thing. I'd also say that you should get out and get into shape. I just leaned over to grab my beer and 
tweak my back a little bit. <laughs> That's a hilarious. All right, let's let's rip. Uh, we got a Patreon. He had a couple good questions come through on Instagram. Yeah, but Patreon. One of our Patreon guys, Colby. Uh, he bought a puppy from me from Boss and Izzy's litter. Doing real well with it, and he asked about possible litters of 2023. Good question. Well, I think I have a few more litters possible for this fall. So our girl, HRCH Master Hunter Sam, who's had one litter, living with our buddy uh, Peter, is going to be whelping a litter at Ethan and Katz. And we just confirmed that she's pregnant, so that's huge. I've got, I should probably have those all sold. So stay tuned, I guess. Um, But I've got a pretty good list on that one. Um, Quinn and Summit are probably the... my girl Summit. She's an awesome little dog. I love that dog. She's the happiest freaking dog in the world. Stud pedigree, dark yellow, fox red, whatever you want to call her. Beautiful animal, loves to do her thing, and uh, great personality. She'll make great puppies. Um, You know, realistically, she should be coming into heat. I'd like to breed her. Quinn, I'm 50-50 on. I think I'd like to because that way next year I won't be thinking about her and puppies. I'll just be focusing on Master National. I'd rather her compete than have pups. So possibly... But I also know that I got a long list for people on that one. So, you know, there's there's potential. Uh, as far as the following year goes, I'll probably breed Sam one more time. And then she'll be done. Uh, possibly Summit one more time. And then she'll be done. Possibly Prairie. But I almost think Prairie could maybe go to Master National. What? Oh, prayer, no. I mean, it would be a little bit of a stretch, but if I'm just doing math, I mean, she's a... Don't even hurt yourself. She's a really good dog right now. She's at a senior level now. If I just keep training her, then maybe in March, she'll be ready to run master tests, and we get six passes between March and July 31st, and we go to Master National. Bit of a stretch, but I've done it before. And she'll be read that during master national i mean it's not that out of norm it's no it just seems like she's young it just seems like she's young she's not she's i think this fall she'll be two it's crazy time flies man so there's definitely some litters this was the year for me to do litters because we're not going to master national and i'm home a lot more than being on the road all the time so this was the year to to do several next year i'll probably do two i'm not a full-time breeder i'm a full-time retriever trainer so when we breed, it's specific. It's it's with intent and purpose and timeliness of everything that goes on here, not just, you know, pumping out puppies like maybe it seems because this year we're doing more than normal. Yeah. So whatever. Next year will be a little bit slower on it. Maybe the following year will be more. We'll see. Uh, but great question. Um, and honestly, this year Memphis – Oh, that was was like not a surprise. Hail Mary, but it, yeah, but it was Hail, like Mary. Hail Mary. So that yeah. Uh, we had a question come in from Jay Ruffle. What is your honest opinion of versatile breeds? Hmm. 
my honest opinion. Here's what I tell people. Let's say you call me up and you say, hey, Bob, I'm thinking of getting a versatile dog. I'm a duck hunter. But I like to dabble in upland. Okay. So how many, how much duck hunting do you do? What kind of duck hunting do you do? And how much woodcock and grouse hunting do you or pheasant hunting or whatever else you're going after? Right. And it's like, if it's 80, 20 duck dog, get a duck dog. Yeah. The, there are plenty and I've hunted with them and I've trained some that are stud duck dogs that are German short hair pointers or, um, wire hairs or draughts or, you know, I've, Back in the day, I trained a lot of different breeds, um, but not like not none, but uh, like Huey's good. But come November, Nick kind of puts up the duck boots on Huey and only grouse hunts him, and we run our labs and whatnot because it just gets cold. Um, I've got other friends that put those short hairs in some hairy situations in January. I wouldn't do it. They, I mean, it's freaking cold. And it's even tough on a lab. Like, it's just tough. But they'll do it, and the dogs do it. I just think if you're a duck hunter, get a duck dog. If you're an upland person, get an upland dog. And 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 figure out what you do most of. If you mostly grouse, woodcock, pheasant, then, yeah, get a versatile dog. And if it goes duck hunting five times a year, great. If you hunt 50 days a year, you got to have a special one. And it's almost like jack of all trade or what is it? Jack of all trades, master of none or something. Does that make sense? Yeah, it does. Is that the right I think so. term? So that would mean to me like they are good, but they're going to, those dogs are gonna, like, even if you asked Ethan that question, Ethan would say his dogs are pointing short hairs. They want to run big. They want to run long. They can run literally all day. To sit still in a duck blind for them is tough. They want to go. They do not want to sit still and not that they can't be taught. I'm just saying. He would say the same thing. It's not if they want to run. Then there are some other short hairs that are more apt to be more okay with sitting still and, and patient and whatnot. You just it's tough. It's just tough. So that's my honest opinion. I think they're good. I just think you have to look long and hard at how you hunt, what you hunt, and go from there. We had a really good one. Uh, J.G. Woe. <laughs> Y.O. Maybe from Wyoming. Oh, maybe. Uh, which is funny because you used this phrase earlier on, on our show tonight. Poke and hope. Mm-hmm. What do you do when a dog doesn't see a bird during the test? And how do you train for that? Or or do you train for that? Um, if I, That's a good question. I was going to stop you while you were talking through this, but you're on a roll, which I always stop you anyways. But I, like, explain. Poke I guess I was hope. putting my, well, Poke no. and pray, poke and hope. Yeah, yeah. You're poking I, a dog out there. Um, Basically, what you do is you attack the birds that they saw first. Don't get it in your head that everyone else is picking it up, you know, outside, outside, middle. Well, if your dogs only saw middle and left side, don't do outside, outside, middle, because it didn't see that one. And again, if I'm at a hunt test, 
I can handle. You can handle on one mark. So I'm going to pick up the birds that I know that dog saw. Go get them. Clean slate. Now let's figure out how to set this up. I'm going to get them. I'm going to try and convince them that they're looking in the right area. I'm going to coach them up. Good. No here. Good right there. Good. No. No, no. Here. Here. Good. Good right there. Good. Ears are perked up. Body language is telling me that they're trusting me. Send them. And if through training, I mean, this is not a junior dog thing. This is not even really a senior dog thing. This is a dog who's been schooled and ran tons of marks and tons of blinds that, and to me, like the second part of his question is how do you train for it? I just think that they have to trust you and they have to know they better go where you send them. They can't, you know, if when you run a blind and you say back, they bail off at a 45 and go where they feel like going. When you're at a hunt test, that's what's going to happen as well. So they've got to go where sent and hold their line like a good dog as best you can. So things like my lining pass, video on YouTube, um, and then just running a ton of marks and blinds. Go where you're sent. Um, that helps. And that's that's why I was so proud of Lizzie. I mean, she held that line for like 150 yards and then just kind of faded in, into no man's land. Um, if that were at a hunt test, she'd picked it up she didn't see it but she held a line perfect dead nuts for 150 yards of where i sent her so if i'm at a hunt test the other thought i have is i can handle so i'm again remember i said like a win and lose versus pass fail like i'm going to pass that dog it didn't see the mark you're up the creek without a paddle i am going to pass the dog so i'm going to send the dog properly Dog's going to do their job at holding the line as best as possible. Then I'm going to handle them to the bird under control. Um, you can try and run it as a blind straight up, but I think, you know, trying to convince them that they saw the mark, you know, they probably heard a duck call or a gunshot or something. Just run it as a mark and see what happens. Um, it's a good question. Real good question. All right, what do we got? We got DMCNIT12. Reality of starting a kennel and your experience with it. Mm, we do get this question kind of often. Shout out to Standing Stone. Me and Kat had a podcast on their podcast. Um, all about owning a business in the dog world. Dog training business, boarding, raising, rearing. Pros and cons. People to check out that podcast. Yeah, can you look it up? Because I can't remember what it was called. Um, and then we can give them the episode number too. Yep. Thank you. So the reality of it is you have to be good, right? If you've trained one or two personal dogs, and maybe they are very nice dogs, that doesn't necessarily make you a dog trainer. Um, Because you haven't worked with problem dogs. You haven't worked with... Dogs that don't want to fetch, that don't want to pick up a duck, that are afraid of getting in the water, that are gun sensitive, that are hard headed or bark at the line or bite you or um, climb up the leash and try and bite you when you're just doing basic heel work. Like there are things that a dog will do that you have no idea what you're doing until you've dealt with it. And so I think 
if someone is serious about this as a lifestyle, it's not a job, it's a lifestyle, they should go and work for somebody. They should go and be mentored and work for someone for a year or more where they get the opportunity to train a bunch of dogs under someone's tutelage where they can teach you and you can ask questions and you're learning. And, you know, on Ray Vote's podcast, you know, being a bird thrower, you can learn a ton. You know, how dogs are marking. When are people making corrections on marks and blinds? Da, 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 da. Be a sponge every chance you get. Um, I just think some people jump in with both feet when they really don't have the experience to take money from someone and care for an animal that they've only had to care for their own one or two or three. And there's a lot that goes into it. So it's a scary endeavor. It's stressful. It's round the clock. Um, and you better be good because that's what's fair to the dog and the person who's paying you to care for their dog, their family pet your best buddy. Um, you can't botch it. And if you botch it, meh, not good. Not good. The, so you were episode 104 and I think 105 too of the Standing Stone podcast. So that was, uh, probably could have guessed that name. That's what they call it. Yep. Episode 104, 105. Yes, sir. Cool. So I would say, and go, they do a nice definitely. Oh yeah. And just like, Dude, you know, I, I now have employees. It's great. It's helpful. But back in the day when we would do a podcast, Kevin would be, you know, we would get done at 9, 10 o'clock at night, and I would walk out to my kennel, and I would air dogs till 11 o'clock at night, and I would go to bed and wake up at 5.30 and do it again seven days a week for like three years. Probably three. Two, Man, at more. least. Well... I mean, I had some employees here or there, but it was... Are you talking here, or are you talking, like, in general at, like... In general, at at the old kennel facility. I mean, that was... I used to have to drive... I probably talked about this on the podcast. You talked about it on Patreon. Patreon.com forward slash Lone Conference. It was on Patreon Happy Hour we went through this. Nice. Someone was starting a kennel and was like, how did you do it? Oh, that's right. He didn't say, like, how is this so easy? But he's like, oh, how'd you get all this? And whatever, like... You don't even know. Yeah, word of mouth and yeah. you know social media and all that stuff. He had good questions and yes. fair questions. Yep. Um, but uh, you know, back in the day, I'll just I'll tell everybody. I don't care. Back in the day, my fiance that now fiance lived in downtown Syracuse in a loft apartment. So probably four to five days a week, I would get done airing dogs at nine o'clock drive 25 minutes, find a parking spot in sketchy downtown Syracuse, walk to her apartment, hang out with her. Some nights I'd go straight to bed. Other nights, you know, to appease the relationship, we'd go out and have drinks. We'd go and have a late dinner. We would stay up and catch up. And now it's 10.30, 11.30, go to bed, wake up at 5.15, 25-minute ride, get, make sure I'm at the kennel by 6 a.m., let all the dogs out. And then I would drive... 30, 30, 35 minutes to where I leased the property now. So I would drive like a hundred miles a day, basically, you know, 20, no more. You were hitting a lot of windshield time. Yeah. Ton burning gas just to train these dang dogs. And, and I would get done at five thirty, six o'clock, drive home back to the kennel, air dogs, feed dogs, air dogs again, drive 
25, 30 minutes downtown Syracuse and do it seven days a week. You know, it was bare bones, man. I've slept on, like the first few months, I slept on a recliner. It sucked. I was eating peanut butter and jelly sandwiches for a long time. I was scared of the next paycheck. I was scared. I mean, there was no paycheck. there, There was no paycheck. When I turned 30, my 30th birthday, I hit like, now I don't want to call it rock bottom, but like this realization of there's four dogs in the kennel. My bills are six dogs. So I'm in the, I'm, I'm in the red. I'm, I'm losing money. And then March, I got six in April. I had seven in May. I had eight and I never really went back again, but at 30 years old, some people have kids. They got 401ks. They've got a retirement plan. They're like middle management. You know what I'm saying? I had buddies with like two kids at that point. I had uh, one friend had a divorce already. Like no joke. We were, people were living life and I'm in a recliner trying to fall asleep on my 30th birthday going, I'm broke. And so when people say like, oh, you got a podcast, you know, and, and I appreciate it. We worked really hard to get here, but there were some really I had to sacrifice a lot for a long time. And in fact, I probably still do just because this is a lifestyle. Like I can't just go and do anything I want anytime because, you know, I got nine puppies here being cared for and 35, 38 dogs in training and a podcast and social media and, you know, everything. So it's, it's not for everyone. I would encourage you to go work for someone to make sure you love it before you open up a business and quit your day job, go work for someone to make sure that the grind of what we do every day is what you really, really want. So that's my two cents. I equate it to being like a farmer when you have. Oh yeah. hundred percent. And it sounds stupid, but it's literally the exact same thing. I mean, you have a place in the back, where you have a bunch of animals, and it doesn't matter what temperature it is, doesn't matter yep. what if it's, if it's raining, raining out. snowing. Oh yeah, doesn't I, matter I if it's Christmas. Today. It doesn't matter if it's exactly yep. Thanksgiving or what's going on, or if you're not feeling well or you have COVID. Yeah, it's like okay, well, th- yeah, dude, I had COVID like last year. All my employees were gone because I had COVID, and I had to take care of everyone. Right. So I was sick as a dog for probably five days. And I would go and work them. And when I got too tired, I'd go lay down. And when I'd get up, I'd go work them. You know, it ain't all what it's cracked up to be, but it's still a good life. And it's fun. It's rewarding. It's, uh, it's great. But I think people only think of the great stuff. They don't realize, like you said, Thanksgiving, Christmas, you know, there's no... There's people no are like, like oh, you get to go down. hunting on a Tuesday. Well, what people don't realize is Bob has to wake up at what? I mean, what time do we go? We'll yeah, get if, to the boat launch yeah. at five, right? Yep. That means you got to get up at three to take care of all the dogs, yeah. let everybody out, feed them, take care of them, give them time to do their do thing. Their thing, and then you got to yep. Go and hunting. then I have to cut my hunt short because you know if we wanted to hunt till noon, well, they haven't been out since. 3.30 in the morning. Right. So that's way too long. No. So we got to get, I got to be home uh, by 10.30 or 11. Like, but now that I've built something where we have some workers here that are great and responsible, I can, in, I can do a little more. 
but in the back of my head, it's still everything is my responsibility. So take it, take that with a grain of salt, bud. And great question. On that note, it's 10 o'clock and you got to go take care of dogs. I have to go take care of puppies. You're right. Yeah, you're right, man. So it's a good life. I've met a ton of great people. I've had fun. It's fun being on this podcast and, you know, having people enjoy this has been a really rewarding as well. I mean, way more than I thought it would be when me and you started it. Yeah. I remember sitting around the dinner table like, do we really, should we really do this? <laughs> like, who's going to no, listen? I remember exactly. You know, and now, you know, <laughs> a lot of people listen and it's super fun to help others with their dogs and talk with our friends and hear their stories of how they got started and hunting trips and we've got to meet a lot of cool people oh my gosh dude it's taking us all over so we appreciate that from the bottom of our hearts we appreciate you all from tuning in we appreciate you know the the folks that join us on patreon and that community we appreciate anyone who leaves a comment and just says you guys are funny or you really helped me for such my dog or I've listened to that one three times because I pick up little things each time like that stuff matters. And so I appreciate you all for uh, for sticking with us. And even though the intro, I would say the intro, we got to figure out how to make that not necessarily quicker, but we should we should they're consider unique every time. Yeah, they're unique every time. But if I listen to a podcast, I'm fast forwarding. Let's just be real. I'm just saying. <laughs> I'm just being honest if I'm the one, but I am now also not listening to humorous dudes like ourselves that are giving, you know, their best shot, but maybe we can intermix them. Maybe that would be a good, uh, drop a DM on Instagram. Do you like the intro the way it is? Or would you rather us do like some sprinkles, 30 second sprinkles throughout the hour, hour and a half long podcast where like, it's a good clean break on a topic. We get a 30-second from the duck blind to the holding blind. It's Purina, baby. And then back into the show in a nice, clean, foul swoop. And then 15 minutes later, we a clean break. You know, I, I've listened to one podcast. Not, not We're super digressing, but if you don't listen to the Mic Drop podcast, I highly recommend it to all of you. Navy SEAL, dog trainer, I've met him. Super cool dude. Doctor like, guy. He is a doctor man, so shout out to Doctor. Um but just down to earth, funny, like a little bit raunchy. I, I like him a lot. They they've been dabbling in trying new things and like for probably three or four episodes, I was like, Man, I if if he would listen to me, I would tell him he's gotta shut this off. Like this is awful. It'd be like me and you having a conversation and then it'd jump into an ad and I'd be like you didn't even finish that sentence, bud. And then it'd pick back up in like a weird way. And now they're very seamless and very good. So just See, a thought. That, that's all automatic stuff. That's exactly not stuff people care to listen to. Right well, now, maybe but. they do. Me and you were just hanging out, bud. Sorry, everyone. That's all automatic where it's like every 15 minutes we're going to mix it in. And so... But it, they don't cut it off at the right time. You know what I'm it's saying? It's not cut off at, a, at any time except 15 Intervals. minutes. Right. Right. And so then it's it's automatic. That's something that we don't do. No. we've had, Yeah, dude. One company called us. Again, we're just all talking yeah, out. Yeah, whatever. Like you're sitting in here with us. 
Um, one company called us and they're like, yeah, you can make excellent. That's how many people listen. You can make this amount of money. And me and Kevin sat down and had a decision to make. Like, we're not doing that. Like, That's maybe, you don't want to hear about progressive auto insurance. Oh, they snuck that in there one time. And one, I was, yeah, we called them up and told them to take it out. Yeah, mm, nah. Sorry about your luck, but it's not worth not being true to our listeners because if it's a product, like it's got to be a product we care about and we use. Yeah. So you know, but it would be interesting to hear all your feedback on our intro. Do you think it's funny? Do you enjoy listening to it? Do you wish it was shorter? Do you wish it, it would keep it the same? Would you like those funny ones that are sprinkled in naturally throughout it? Um, I want your feedback. I appreciate you tuning in, so I appreciate your feedback. Um, I think I'm a sprinkle guy. I think I want to try sprinkling. Sprinkle, sprinkle. I'm, I'm up for trying it. Nothing. It's not going to hurt. No. But I would love to hear what people have to say. And I, yeah. again, reiterate, thank you so much for tuning into the show. Thank you so much for being a part of our community. And uh, until the next episode, we do have a bunch of cool people lined up. Um, I'm pretty I'm pretty jacked up about yeah, like our queue of... Our queue of folks is going to be really fun. So the next few months, stay tuned for... Not even a few months, just... I know, like the next I'm three excited. or four should be, be sick. So. All right, everybody, thanks for tuning in. Until the next time, peace out. Hey, if you haven't done it already, jump into patreon.com forward slash Lone Duck Outfitters. If you enjoy the show and want to support the show, if this show has helped you and your dog grow together, if you enjoy our Instagram, if we've helped you at all, it's like buying me and Kevin a beer and you get more one-on-one from me. You get content that doesn't hit Instagram or YouTube and it enters you to win a free hunt with me and Kevin in Missouri this duck season. So jump on, links in the description. We'd be happy to have you and love to help you. Hey listeners, Nick Larson here, host of the Bird Shop Podcast. As fans of this show, you may be interested in the conversations on the Bird Shop Podcast, where we discuss all things upland hunting, from upland birds and their habitat and conservation to the shotguns, bird dogs, and gear used to pursue them. Whether you're a seasoned upland hunter or just getting started and wanting to learn more, I interview a wide range of guests, each with their own unique perspective and valuable experience to share. If you're on the hunt for more upland hunting conversation, please consider subscribing to the Bird Shop Podcast today. Thank you.